Welcome to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor David Eldridge. us this morning. If you're joining us online, we're glad y'all are here as well. My name is David. I'm the pastor here at, uh, at Stonebridge. Today we're going to do a recap of Ephesians. We've been walking through Ephesians since the beginning of August. This will be our last look at Ephesians, and next week we'll start Advent. Christmas is coming. Uh, you could break Ephesians up, we've said before, into a couple of sections, one through three, four, five, and six. Chapters one, two, and three focus on what God has done for us. Chapters four, five, and six, how we respond uh, to God. The book is really dense. We're certainly not going to be able to summarize everything we've said over the past four months, but uh, one verse from each section that I think kind of captures the heart of what's going on in that first and that second section. And as we look back in your mind, here's your phrase, identity precedes activity. So you keep that in mind, identity precedes activity. Uh, so chapter one, verse three says, uh, praise God, the, the God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us uh, in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So praise God who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We talked about that idea of being in Christ, really, really important. We said it all the way back to elementary school with your sets. There's a set that is Jesus, and every member of that set uh, has certain attributes. There's certain properties, certain things that are said about us solely because we're members of this set called Jesus, because we're in Christ. We're holy and blameless, and we're adopted into God's family as sons and daughters. Uh, we're forgiven, we're redeemed, we're marked with the Holy Spirit, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's just a few of the things that we saw in Ephesians. Because we're in Christ, because we're in that set, we're a member of that set, all of those things are true about us. That is our identity. That's who you are, and that's who I am, if we're following Jesus. So that, that is what's true of us. How do we move from outside the set to inside? Ephesians 1 says we're included or we're incorporated into Christ by hearing and by believing the message. That's it. Ephesians 2, we're saved by grace through faith. We talked about that uh, several months ago. That we're not saved based on our efforts to make God happy or to please God. We're saved because of his unmerited favor that he directs towards us, which we receive simply by trust, by trusting in Jesus. That's what moves us from inside to outside. And once you're inside, all of those things are true about you. Whether you feel it, whether you think it, whether you even believe it, those things are true because it's what God says. Everyone who's in the set is holy and blameless even though you sinned this morning. Everyone who's in the set is adopted into God's family as a son or a daughter, even if you still feel isolated and distant. Everyone who's in the set is seated with Christ in heavenly places, even though if I said, where are you seated? You'd say, I'm sitting in a chair in a building on the corner of Kennesaw and Tower Road, Marietta, Georgia. Where you truly are seated is next to the Father with Jesus. So that's what's true of us. Chapters 1, 2, and 3. Chapters 4, 5, and 6, remember we said that was nitty-gritty, really practical, kind of in-our-kitchen commands, super direct. This is what it looks like to live a life worthy of the calling that we've received. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, brothers and sisters, as a prisoner of God, I'm urging you, live a life worthy. Your Bible may say, walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you've received. That idea of being worthy, that's like balancing the scales, 
We want a life that's appropriate, that's congruent, that fits. So this is who I am in Jesus, and therefore this is how I live. This is how someone who is in Jesus lives. And again, it was a lot of really practical commands. Be completely humble and gentle. Don't get drunk. No obscenities. No unwholesome talk. Honor your father and mother. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Jesus loves the church. All of these really specific, practical, Monday to Friday kind of commands for us. And we said if we're not careful, if you jump straight to chapter 4, it gets overwhelming really quickly. This is a long list of rules. and We've got to remember chapter 4, 5, and 6 come after chapters 1, 2, and 3. Our identity precedes our activity. New behavior flows out of this new nature that we're given. Remember we talked about that picture from chapter 4. We're taking off our old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, and we're putting on this new self made to be like Jesus, in true, made to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And then out of that exchange comes this new behavior. So absolutely, our behavior is incredibly important. Our response, our obedience, incredibly important. It's essential. They're not suggestions, they're commands. But we've got to remember, those things flow out of what God has already said is true of us. It's not, our works follow His grace. Our works don't precede His grace. And it's really easy for us to invert those two realities, especially where we live. Not on purpose. Again, if I gave you the theology test and said, hey, are you, is your standing before God based on the work that Jesus did on the cross or based on your good works, every one of you would answer the question correctly. You'd say, oh, it's because of what Jesus did, for sure. And we know that. It's just difficult for us to maintain that reality in, the, again, kind of the dailiness of our life. And I think it's because of, of the locus of each of those things, where each of those things are rooted Our identity is really rooted in the spiritual world. That's what Paul says in chapter 1, verse 3. It's in the heavenly realms. That's, for many of us, that seems really foreign. It's this invisible spiritual world. God, angels, Satan, the devil, they all operate there. And it intersects our world. We've talked about that. We're amphibians. We live in both this material world and in that spiritual world. But if we're honest, we're much more comfortable here than there. We access this material world through our five senses. It's what we're familiar with. It's what we're comfortable with. And that's where our our obedience is expressed. It's expressed here, physically, tangibly, visibly. Our identity is rooted in this invisible spiritual world that's, I would say, even more real than this material world because it's eternal. It's not way up there somewhere. It's all around us. But again, it's something that we're not super familiar with. And so it's easy for us to lose sight of our identity. When was, think of a time this week, when were you affirmed as a son or daughter of God last week? The answer is probably nowhere. That's not where we live. That's not necessarily in your office. Your boss probably didn't come up to you and said, you know, I know you're holy. And they probably didn't say that. That's not how we interact with each other. Those things are real. But we just lose sight of them and it's super easy because our life is lived in this physical, material world and our obedience is expressed in this world. Just think about what you did to get here today. 
You got up maybe a little bit early. You put on your clothes. You, you came here. Maybe you wrote a check and put it in a box. You participated in a baby dedication. And in a time of Thanksgiving, you stood up, raised your hands, closed your eyes, or you sang a song. You're listening to me. Maybe in a few minutes you're going to respond. All the guys online, they did like half of that. They probably didn't even get dressed. But they still did something. There's some level of obedience. There's some, it's, a, it's physical. It's active. You can see it. You made choices. And it's really easy for us because that's where we live, again, subtly. This thing that's the foundation, which is our identity, that's rooted in this world that we can't see and that's rarely affirmed. Even though it's the foundation and we build upon it, this structure of obedience, it's just really easy over time for those two things to flip places. And then the foundation for us becomes our obedience, our activity. And we think our identity flows out of that. Again, you're always going to answer the question right on the Bible competency exam. That doesn't necessarily help you on Wednesday. So here's what happens when we invert. A few things, and there, there's, there's more. Just it, It's easy to get resentful because then we start keeping score. God, you realize all the things that I'm doing for you? Can't you do any, just this one little thing for me? We start keeping track and keeping score. It's easy to get really weary, particularly for some of you that are performance-oriented. i got to tr- cross all the T's and dot all the I's, and I can't, I can't miss a quiet time, or I can't miss a small group, or, you know, I, because what, then my whole relation, everything falls apart because it's all based on how well I'm doing. Insecurity. If everything's based on my behavior, what if I have a bad day or week or month? Then am I still actually in relationship with God? Does he still like me? Am I still one of his sons or daughters? And there's other things. Really dangerous for us to invert those two. Remember this. If you don't remember anything else out of Ephesians, identity precedes activity. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 come before chapters 4, 5, and 6. We'll close with this one idea. Different lens looking at the same truth through the lens of love. One of the greatest prayers in all the Bibles is Ephesians 3. Whatever your prayer thing is, I would put this in your rotation. However you tend to pray, put this into your rotation. We'll look just at the second half. And I pray that you, uh, being rooted and established, or your Bible when I say rooted and grounded in love, together with all God's people, with the whole church, I pray that you would have power to grasp how wide and high and long and deep is the love of Jesus and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Same idea, identity and activity. Our identity, we're rooted and established or grounded in love. That's not part of the prayer. Paul's not praying that we would be rooted and established in love. He's saying, because you are. That's a statement of fact. It's a reflection of reality. Because you are rooted and grounded in love, dot, dot, dot. That's who we are. If you're in Christ, you're in that set. You're a member of that set because you've believed, trusted in Jesus. Then it is true of you that you are rooted and grounded in the love of the Father. Now, some of you don't, you don't, that's not part, that's not your reality in terms of the way you're living, but it is your reality in terms of who you are. It's what God says about you. He says, if you're in Christ, then you're rooted and grounded in my love for you. That's what the Father says. That idea rooted, that's an agricultural word speaking to plants. Grounded or established, that's an architectural word speaking to a building. Both of those things, roots and, and, the, and the foundation, those are fundamental. That's what everything's built on. So our relationship with God is built on the fact, on his love for us. 
We're rooted in that love. We're grounded or established in that love. And then the prayer is pretty interesting. So that's true of you and me. We're rooted and grounded in love. And then Paul says, I pray that you know that better. I pray that you would have power to grasp. When we think about knowing things, I don't think about power. I think about insight. I think about understanding. I think about wisdom. I don't necessarily think about power. Power to grasp or to apprehend, to catch this love of God in all of its vastness. You've heard of that uh, parable of the blind men and the elephant. You know that parable? So there's these guys, uh, they're, they're living in India and they're in a village and somebody says, hey, we got uh, we, we're bringing an elephant to this village so you guys can see what an elephant is. And obviously these guys are blind, they've never seen it, but nobody in their village has ever seen one either. So there's no concept of what an elephant is. It's this strange animal. And so they bring the elephant in, and these blind guys, they all get their turn to, to go up to it. And again, obviously they can't see, so they're all just touching different parts. And somebody touching the trunk, and he's saying to his friends, hey, an elephant's like a snake, and someone else is touching a tusk. And he says, no, an elephant's like a spear, and someone else is touching a leg. And he says, no, an elephant's like a tree, and someone's touching the side. No, 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 an elephant's like a wall. Someone's touching an ear, an elephant's like a fan. Someone's touching a tail, an elephant is like a rope. They're all ripe. And they're all wrong. There's a part that they have, not the whole. That's what Paul is saying. Together with all the saints, together with all the church, I want you to grasp how wide and high and long and deep is the love of God. It's your coffee cup in the ocean. Your coffee cup, it can, it can experience a bit of the ocean, but not the vastness of it. And that's how God's love is for us. Some of you have experienced his love as power, and it's strengthened you. It's given you peace, maybe particularly if you were in a tumultuous time of your life. Some of you have experienced God's love as compassion, and it's comforted you when you were sad or when you were mourning. Some of you have experienced God's love as, in his holiness. That's what you've grabbed onto, and it's, honestly, it's felt like fire, like conviction around areas of sin in your own life. Some of you have grabbed onto that part of God's love that's joy, and you've experienced deep gladness and maybe even laughter. All of those things are true, yeah, they're all inadequate. They're not the full story. And Paul's saying, I want you to know all of it in all of the dimensions, recognizing it's going to take all of us to do that. And then this paradoxical prayer, I want you to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Remember we said in the New Testament, no is not intellectual, it's relational and, and experiential. That's the only way you can know something that surpasses knowledge. It's not knowing here. It's knowing here. It's experiencing this love. That's a prayer for experience. That's what Paul's saying. I want you to experience the vastness of this love that transcends, that exceeds your intellect and your ability to fully understand and comprehend. So there's our identity. We're rooted and grounded in love. And then, uh, then Paul prays that we would know that love experientially and relationally more and more and more. And then out of that flow a couple of things. Again, in the second half of the book, we're told to walk in the way of love as Jesus did, who loved us and gave himself up for us. In order to love other people, we have to be rooted and grounded first in the love that God has for us and for them. Think about some of the people who drive you crazy. Think about some of the people that you tend to... Maybe talk bad about or think bad about or avoid in the grocery store or whatever it is. Have you ever thought, man, God loves them as much as he loves me? Have you ever thought about the height and width and breadth and depth of his love for them? And that can help you love them 
as well. That last verse in Ephesians chapter 6. Grace be to all those who love Jesus with an undying, or your Bible may say incorruptible or immortal love. I love that phrase, an undying love. First John, we love because he first loved us. Our identity rooted and grounded in love. We're growing in our understanding of, of that love that God has for us. And out of that flows love for others and love for Jesus. That activity, loving God and loving people, flows out of our identity as ones who are already loved. Ones who are rooted and grounded in his love. That's Ephesians. In a nutshell, here's what I want you to do. We're going to pray. Bo's going to come back and lead us in worship. This is really what I, this was my uh, focus for the day. I wanted to make sure we had enough time. You can go ahead and close your eyes. This is what I wanted. I want us to do what Paul says. And I want us to pray. And I want us to pray that God would give us together the power to grasp how wide and high and long and deep is his love. Recognizing if you're in Jesus, you're already rooted and grounded in his love. That's who you are. And so this is a prayer to know that love. At a deeper level. And again, when I say no, don't just think in your mind. Think in your heart experientially. If you're following Jesus, you've touched a part of that elephant already. You've grabbed a leg or a tail or a side. And you've experienced something of the truth of God's love. You've known his tenderness and compassion. You've known his power. You've known his holiness. You've known something of this love. And what we want to pray is that God would, he knows exactly what we need. So it may not even be, I don't even want to say that, something new. It may not be something new. He knows exactly what we all need this morning. You may be sitting here and saying, well, I'm still on the outside of the circle. And we would invite you in. And we would say, I think all of us would say, it's better in here than it is out there. What God would ask of you, if you're outside the circle, to repent, to turn in a new direction, and to place your trust in Jesus. And we can help walk you through that. And that's all, you don't have to clean yourself up, you don't have to figure anything out, you don't have to straighten up, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, have mercy on me. That prayer is always answered. If that's you this morning, we'd love to talk with you about that. For most of you, you've already, you're already in the circle. You've already made a decision to follow him. And so what I want to challenge and encourage you with this morning, will you ask him to show you, to lead you more deeply in this experience of love that surpasses knowledge? So if you're willing, you can pray something like this along with me. God, I acknowledge that I'm in Jesus. That, therefore, I'm, I'm already rooted and established in love. And I want to know that love that I'm rooted and established in more and more fully. I'm thankful for these expressions that I've experienced in the past. And you may want to name some of those in your mind. Your tenderness, your joy, your peace, whatever it is. And God, I want to know as much as I can in my finitude. I want to know the height and width and breadth and depth of your love for me. I want to know in my heart this love that surpasses my understanding 
So Holy Spirit, I open myself up to you this morning. Romans 5 says God makes his love known to us by the Holy Spirit who's already given to us. The Holy Spirit, you already have who you need within you. And so we yield to you this morning. So we're going to invite you to come forward. We'll have ministry teams here up in the front. We'll pray with you. You may want to come and stand or kneel here. And if so, we'll just we'll make our way around and put a hand on your back. Some of you may have an experience. You may, you may have an emotional experience. There may be some tears. You may have sense peace. You may sense joy. You may not feel anything. No, that's not, we're not chasing an experience. We're chasing the reality of the love of God. And whatever that happens to entail this morning, he knows what we need. So if you this morning say, I want to know more, again, know more than what I currently know. We invite you to come forward as Bo leads us in worship and he'll dismiss us in a few minutes. So you guys can stand. Ministry teams, you guys come forward and the rest of y'all, y'all respond as you feel led to do so. Thank you for listening to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week.